Hello and welcome to B2B Better, the only podcast focused on helping B2B marketers do better marketing through content, community, and social media. My name is Jason Bradwell, and every week I sit down with whip-smart marketing leaders to talk about what it takes to build an audience strategy that scales from day one, and that also delivers real business results, not vanity metrics. If you've come here for theory, then you may be in the wrong place. Each episode is packed to the rafters with actionable insights and takeaways that you can put into practice today. Let me help you be better than boring. Here we go. So today on B2B Better, I'm very excited to be joined by Dominique Farrar, Head of Community and Communications at Spendesk. How are you doing, Dominique? Great. Happy to be here. Very happy to have you on. Um, we uh, got in touch with each other through a mutual friend of ours, Alec Pri- Alex Price, who runs uh, 93X and, and the Finite Community. I believe you've been on his podcast before. Um, yep. And very excited to have you on today to talk all about community building in B2B because um, the work that you're doing at Spendesk, I won't spoil the surprise because I know you're going to tell us a little bit about it, um, is phenomenal. Um, But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about your role and a little bit about Spendesk. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for the kind words. I hope to live up to it. Um, So let's see. My role at Spendesk, like you said, is community and comms. Um, So that really just encompasses all things brand awareness, um, which we'll talk a little bit more about for sure. Um, And what Spendesk is, it's a startup, I guess now we'd be considered a scale up. We have about 300 employees um, founded in Paris. And the product is really focused on just simplifying the hassle of spending money at work. That's really the easiest way to say it. Um, so it's an all-in-one platform that combines everything you need to spend money easily at work. Um, so company cards, expense reporting, invoice processing, budgeting. Um, so really bringing all of that financial stuff under one source of truth. And my personal, uh, I guess, pitch for Spendesk is I have not submitted an expense report in over two years since joining because we use Spendesk at Spendesk. And I think it's just one of the most delightful uh, things to remove from your your routine is like submitting expense reports. It's just a game changer. And that's just one of the things we do, so. I hope that's the the line on the homepage of your website because I'm pretty much sold on that immediately. I was actually just doing an expense report before we jumped on this call. And I realized that, you know, because it's it takes so much time, um, I, I, le- I let my expenses just accumulate over three or four months because I just can't, I haven't got the, the bandwidth to look at it every single month. So that alone just sounds inc- incredible. I think so too. It's like when we talk about swallow that frog, expense reports are always the frog that like nobody wants to do. And eventually you just have to swallow. And it's like always the, the worst part of your month or your however often you do them. So yeah, I can relate. Absolutely. Um, so as you said, you are the head of community and communications at Spendesk, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the community aspect of your role. Um, before we jump into how Spendesk has built a community around its brand, um, why don't we start right at the top and you tell me a little bit about why you think that B2B brands should care about community? Because, you know, I think for a lot of our a lot of these um, technology-based companies, these SaaS-based companies, the concept is uh, fairly well accepted. Um, but for perhaps a little bit uh, more legacy companies that don't come with a digital-first mindset, community is really going to a trade show. So tell me, why do you think that B2B brands should be thinking about community in the modern-day B2B buyer journey? Mm. Yeah, well, I guess the simple answer is I think B2B brands should care as much about community as 
any other type of company, um, because at the end of the day, all of us are just dealing with people, um, whether these people are buying our product on behalf of their business or for themselves. Um, and as marketers, we know that people make decisions based on emotion. So among many other things, I think community just helps create a more emotional connection to your brand. It helps humanize your brand. Um, it helps bring you closer to your customers and understand them on a deeper level, which has impacts on so many different functions of the business. So that's my, my very simple answer is to not even think about it from a B2B, B2C perspective, but just in terms of why community is valuable in general is it's, it's really um, bringing your brand to life in a way that's hard to do in, in other traditional marketing channels. I suppose it is um, easier to achieve nowadays because, as I said, in, in the old days of B2B marketing, community was could you fly out to a trade show or a conference and actually be with people in a room? Obviously, mm -hmm. we know over the last 18 months that has been almost impossible, which I guess has opened up an opportunity for a lot of brands, B2B and B2C, to say, okay, how do I migrate that in-person community into a digital format and what's what tools are available to me to help me do that, right? Exactly. I think there's never been a better time to build a community, to manage a community. There's never been more tools, uh, resources, technology. Um, there's really no excuse nowadays not to accept human resources, which is certainly an important aspect as well. Um, but yeah, it's community is having a moment right now and I hope it, I think it will last for quite a while. Um, where just a lot of attention is being paid to community as a legitimate, um, you know, business driver and an important aspect of, of strategy. Mm, I couldn't agree more. So I want to talk a little bit about um, CFO Connect, which is the digital community and in-person community, if I understand it correctly, um, that you're building uh, for Spendesk. So tell me, what is it? Who is it for? How is it run? Why does it exist? Give me the full package. Okay, I'll give you all the things. So CFO Connect is a global community for finance leaders created by Spendesk. That's the short pitch. Um, the details are it is a free community, but it's reserved for finance professionals. So anyone who works on a finance team can apply to join. Um, and our team reviews every application. So it's quite hands-on and exclusive in that sense. Um, we now have over 6,000 members from 20 different countries. Um, they're all, again, working in finance of some sort. We, about 80% of them are C-level, so hence the name CFO Connect. Um, our value pillars and kind of what we're pitching to members is uh, three main things. So events, which used to be all in-person meetups in kind of key cities around Europe. Um, now they're events from anywhere in the world because um, they're happening online. Networking is the second pillar, which is huge, and I'll talk more about it later. It's definitely the number one pe reason people join and probably the greatest uh, value asset that we have. Um, and then resources. So really just being a resource hub for these people, addressing all of the topics that are most important to them, trying to keep them uh, you know, informed of new tools and trends, interviewing members, creating benchmarks, templates, like just really trying to stay ahead of their needs in terms of resources. Um, and I can tell you a little bit about the team if you Please. want to know. Yeah. yeah. So uh, community at Spendesk sits on the marketing team. 
-hmm. We have three people that are nearly exclusively dedicated to CFO Connect. Um, so managing everything from engagement to events, content operations. Um, so it's pretty robust for the size of our uh, company as a whole with 300 employees and three uh, dedicated to community. So I'm happy about that. And then the reason it exists, um, simple marketing answer would be top of funnel brand awareness. Um, that's the key takeaway. Um, but really as kind of an origin story, we, when Spendesk was founded in 2016, very early on, uh, as a startup building this tool for finance teams, um, they realized, you know, we needed to be one known by finance people and two trusted by them. So a really great way to do that is to not just build a product, but to build a network that's going to help support them. Um, be more successful in their roles. So that was really the idea behind CFO Connect was kind of double down on this, um, this mission to support finance teams in their role. Um, and as you know, it's very hard to cold pitch someone on the software, but it's much easier to pitch them on a free community. So CFO Connect really opens a lot of doors that we wouldn't be able to um, if we were just purely pitching our product but allows us to build relationships, start conversations with people that may not immediately have an interest or even awareness of our product, but the community sounds great. And so like, let's get them in. And naturally there's gonna be a relationship that's built there. And, and sometimes that turns into business um, and that's great. You know, in, I, I talk a lot with people about this concept around kind of like in-market demand and out-of-market demand. In-market demand being your customers who are, you know, looking for a solution that you sell today and are ready to buy. And all you've got to do is just get their details and start getting them on that kind of lead journey. And then the out-of-market demand, which are potential customers who may not need your product or service today, but probably or may, may do in the future. And particularly when you work with products that have long sales cycles, which I, which is my background, you know, anything from three months to three years in terms of the ratio, it's a lot more out-of-market demand than typically it is in-market demand. And community to me feels like, and it sounds, you, you kind of touched on it there with CFO Connect, is your opportunity to, you know, begin to uh, throw a net around some of that outer market demand um, so that you're building that relationship. And when in, you know, three months, three years time, they are ready to look for a solution like yours. You know, you said it, they've built that kind of emotional connection with your brand, that affinity with your brand. And when they're thinking, hey, I need a, a finance platform, I'm thinking spend desk, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, that is a great way to think about it is really just being able to capture some of that out of market um, demand and, and nurture those relationships. So like you said, when the time is right, um, we'll be top of mind, not just in terms of, oh, I've heard of this brand, but I like this brand. I trust this brand. This brand has been helping me uh, make professional connections for the past two years. So, you know, that's super powerful as we know that even B2B purchasing decisions are like 50% about the relationship, you know, that you have mm. with the person or the brand that's behind it. So yeah, that's a great way to think about it. You mentioned there were the three pillars, which were um, the events, the networking and the, and the resources. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine over the last 18 months during kind of COVID that first pillar has had to have had to evolve with everyone mm -hmm. being at home. Could you talk a little bit about that? How has kind of COVID impacted your strategy around the community? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the first thing that had to change, of course, because events were quite a big pillar. And I will say that the job felt very glamorous when we were traveling to London, Berlin, Paris, Amsterdam to host <laughs> our in-person meetups. Um, but we were forced to embrace virtual events. And now after a year of doing them, we're like, why did we not do this sooner? This is brilliant. We've been able to reach so many more people. It's so much more cost-effective. It's logistically easier. Um, so, so many perks. And then of course there's naturally some drawbacks, which just you'll never be able to replicate the in-person networking experience online. But um, it has really helped us reach a much broader audience and be of more service to our members because, I mean, in-person events are really tricky for people who A, are C-level executives and B, probably have, you know, families and other things to, to go home to. So um, that was a really kind of like a blessing in disguise for us that we had to pivot that also, I imagine it kind of, um, you know, with, with in-person of events, there's always a great degree of risk, right? And I know that I've put on enough events that I still have that sinking feeling of dread the afternoon of the event where it's like, no one's going to turn up. I've done all this work and the CEO is coming and no one's going to turn up and I'm going to get fired. I exactly. imagine the, on, the online element mitigates some of that risk. Oh yeah. Yes. I've, I've had that feeling of just like calling all your friends like an hour before, like, please come and fill this room. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in-person events. Yeah. You can hide an empty room a lot easier. And, uh, actually people like the more individualized attention sometimes, uh, in the virtual format. So, so yeah, lots of benefits and we will continue doing virtual events. Uh, we will probably go to a more hybrid format when all things go back to normal-ish. So we'll do probably quarterly in-person meetups and then very regular, like weekly virtual events. Got it. So I understand about the community and I understand the benefits that it can provide to members. Um, for, for, for you and your team at Spendesk, I mean, you mentioned the kind of primary goal here is kind of top of funnel awareness, but mm. what are kind of the quantifiable metrics that you're assigning to the success of the community? How are you measuring whether or not it's going well? Yeah. The number one metric that we care most about is growth which alone is a vanity metric. We know uh, sheer growth numbers mean nothing. Um, so we also do measure engagement, but growth, um, just as we are talking about brand awareness, most closely correlates to that. Um, so membership growth, which for us is not an insane goal that we set because we are a fairly exclusive niche community. So we're never gonna have you know, hundreds of thousands of members. Um, but we do, we are essentially trying to double each year our membership. Um, and engagement we measure holistically um, because we have multiple ways that members can engage and we know that not everyone's gonna engage in the same way. So we, we're building a dashboard that shows us kind of the overall health of our members in terms of the different ways they're engaging with the community, whether it's on Slack or attending events or opening our newsletter or participating in our one-on-one -on -one matching program. Um, so we just want to see some level of engagement to know that people are getting value from the community. They're not just signing up, checking it out and never coming back. 
Um, so those are the two key metrics. And then um, we've also started doing a deeper dive on, on influence. So metrics that kind of show influence on the buyer journey, influence on, uh, you know, deals one. And we can see some pretty interesting trends in terms of how community membership plays a role in, um, in those deals. So it's pretty cool. We know for sure that our customers who are also community members just have much higher engagement rates, higher spend, like higher usage on the platform. It's, it's very significant. And then on the prospect side, we're just seeing that like deals that come through community as being influenced by community, um, you know, have shorter sales cycles, they're, they're like better quality leads, et cetera. So um, we know that on multiple levels, a community is working, but in terms of what we're accountable for to the business, growth is really the only, the only one right now. The, the others are kind of like bonus material. <laughs> you could say. Got it. So the three pillars, growth, and then to a lesser extent, engagement and influence. If we just stick on that first pillar to start with, which uh, to, to, to dig into a little bit on the growth side, because I think, you know, the people who are listening, the people who listen to, to, to B2B Better are typically, you know, um, uh, one person or small team marketing, uh, small, small number uh, marketing teams um, who perhaps are listening to you speak and looking at CFO Connect and saying, wow, that's an amazing um, case study that I want to work towards. You know, where do I get started? On that growth piece, what kind of channels are you, are you leveraging to get more members into the community? How are you, how are you promoting it? Yeah, we do some, uh, well, the, the number one source of growth is actually still word of mouth. So we do just rely on referrals and just the good word being spread. But of course, you can't rely on that alone, especially with like, you know, 200% year over year growth goals. So we use uh, LinkedIn um, ads for some targeted uh, targeted acquisition. We have done some email outreach campaigns. We um, certainly are still trying to grow our community membership from our customers alone. So it's kind of interesting that only 20-ish percent of our uh, customers have a, a member of the community. Wow. So, uh, you know, because we do have the brands somewhat separate, so it's not a given that everyone's going to be like part of both. So we are are kind of constantly marketing the community to our own customer base. Um, what else have we done? Our events are actually a big driver of growth because we, we do open them to anyone in finance and we advertise them all over the place. So our members get first dibs on registrations, but uh, you know, those events get shared around and each event generates new members just based on the, the content attracting more people. Got it. I guess this leads me into my next question, um, which is, you know, you mentioned word of mouth being the, the primary driver really um, of the growth of, of CFO Connect. From my understanding, the early uh, adopters of a community are typically the most important because they're the ones that set the tone of, of what the community is going to become. And uh, particularly in the early days where you need to see a lot of momentum in your community to encourage people to come back and not just have a kind of, you know, one sign up and forget type deal. Um, picking those, those first members is, is very, very important. How are you, how are you working with the members of the CFO connect community um, to involve them in its ongoing development? Um, 
how are you involving them in the kind of content that you're choosing to produce the events you're choosing to put on how are you giving them a stake in the success of the mm-hmm. community yeah no that's really important and um i've worked with various types of communities in my career and this one is unique because it is uh c-level executives are our members so whereas in the past i've worked for communities where you really want to like get people hands-on involved um really co-creating and participating and you know our members don't have a lot of spare time for extracurriculars. So we try and be really conscious of like having them involved in a way that's actually a value add to them and not an ask from us. Um, So we tend to do just really simple things like polls on Slack, uh, surveys, like before we do a big content piece or a big benchmark, you know, we'll gauge the interest of the community to really make sure that we're on the right track. Um, We created a kind of ambassador group of 12 members that are sort of like an advisory board for us. So that gives us kind of a smaller focus group for feedback and ideas and people that we don't have to feel bad about, you know, asking fairly regularly for their feedback because they've opted into that. Um, So yeah, it's, it's an interesting question because you want to co-create, but you don't want to make them do the work. Like that's how I've always thought of community is like, we work for them. They don't work for us. So anytime we ask, we really want it to be an ask. That's a benefit for them in the end. Okay. I see. Yeah. It totally makes sense with the demographic of, of the types of people that you're trying to attract into the community. Right. Um, time poor, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as you say, it's important not to come across like you're just asking them to build the community for you. You obviously want to give them a stake in uh, making sure that they are getting the value out of it that they want, but that's what it's about. It's about delivering them value time and time again. Um, before we move on from CFO Connect specifically, um, and, I, and we move into some more um, uh, kind of general questions about community building, is there something that has kind of struck you as you've been developing CFO Connect that, was, was unexpected? Is there something that if you could go back to the beginning of your tenure at spend desk and say, you know, Dominique, make sure you do this or you don't do this even, um, when you're, when you're trying to build a community of CFO connect, is there something that you would go back and tell yourself? Um, so I joined when we were in sort of phase two of building the community. So it had already been, uh, built to about 1500, 2000 members. Um, so I can only speak secondhand from some of the, the learnings there. Um, I think what's, what's really important to do if you're, if you're starting a community from scratch is you want to um, make sure community is tied to other parts of the business from the get-go. So it's not just being created as this island on its own, this completely separate brand, separate project, um, separate thing that three people work on. Like, I think that it really needs to be built as an integrated piece of the business. Um, because there's just so much value that communities can bring to the rest of the business. And I think it, it needs to be part of the routines and part of the awareness that that community is going to contribute. You don't want that to be an afterthought. And I've seen this happen with, um, well, just, just the way that community is often set up in a lot of companies where it's kind of this like fun side project. Um, 
And every once in a while, it's like, oh, here, community, uh, we have this great insight to share with you. Oh, thanks, community. Okay, see you later. Um, whereas I think community really needs it's serious business. It needs to have a seat at the table where company decisions are being made. It needs to be valued and, and appreciated for the value that it can bring. So I think just really integrating it in that way from, from the get-go is important. And that obviously includes um, leadership buy-in, stakeholder buy-in, you know, like really making sure that you have the support you need so that community can be um, the, the value add that it can be. I also guess it's about, um, and, and I think this is what you're suggesting, you, you know, roping in other departments to help you build the community, right? If sales and account managers and uh, project managers and, you know, whoever are going out every single day and talking to their network, customers, prospects, friends, whoever, it's about equipping them with the, the kind of knowledge and the tools they need to help you build the community, particularly in the early days, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort in the early days and there is so much to build. Um, so I would also not underestimate the need for resources like design, development, um, data, like all these things that are really behind the scenes that, that need to happen uh, are important. So yeah, making sure that you have resources allocated for that too. So kind of leadership, buy-in, resources, is there anything else that you think are essential ingredients needed to start building out a community strategy from scratch? Well, obviously just being really clear on the why, what you're trying to get from it. I think having a really, just like you would build any brand, like a very clear brand identity, positioning, um, differentiation, value proposition, like it, it's a total brand building exercise and uh, you want to think through it versus creating as you go. <laughs> There's always going to be iteration. That's just part of the package. But um, being pretty clear uh, on what you're trying to achieve and who your community is for is important. Um, and then I think it's a long-term play. It's not a quick win strategy. So also just setting the right expectations for like how long we're willing to test this um, to see results is important. I mean, I don't think you're going to, you should do anything less than a year if you're testing community. I mean, that's how long it really takes to get things up and running um, and having the right people dedicated to it. So I think a lot of times companies will try and do community again, like a side project or like mm -hmm. a, a task force. And it's really, really deserving of its own <laughs> dedicated headcount, um, at least one person. So that would be my uh, advice for the very foundations. Do you think it needs like a huge budget allocation? I mean, obviously at Spendesk, you know, you've got three people working on this almost full time. Um, it seems like a, a, you know, a central core pillar of the, the marketing strategy uh, in total over at Spendesk. Um, but do you think, you know, for these small teams, one person marketing teams um, who, who are perhaps listening to this episode and getting excited, do you think they need to be going to their leadership team and saying, look, we're going to need a budget of X number of hundred thousands of, of euros, or um, we're going to need a bunch of people working on this full time, or can uh, an MVP community, I guess, for want of mm -hmm. a better term, be created um, for bootstrapped? Yeah, definitely. Yes, I think you can. The, a lot of the investments will be early on. 
you know, it's creating the virtual hub for your community. But again, there's so many new tools and so much competition within these tools now that you can find really great affordable options to create that MVP. Um, if you don't have a lot to play with and test in terms of budget. So I'm not going to lie. More budget is always better. Like <laughs> if you give me budget, I'm going to use it. Um, but I've worked on very tight budget and very lush budget communities and you can still uh, be successful. It's more about setting the expectation. Like if you set the expectation in your community that you host like fancy VIP events with champagne and caviar, like you're going to probably need to keep that up <laughs> and keep that budget. Um, but you know, set expectations early on, like people, there's a lot you can do with just grassroots, um, simple networking and, um, yeah, see, see where it goes. You don't, necessarily need a huge budget but again it's a bonus if you do <laughs> like you say if you give me the money i'm more than happy to go out and spend exactly. it on some, on some champagne and some caviar right, right. um how i mean and you you came on to spend desk as as the head of community or in a community focused role i assume right yep exactly so Clearly the business had, um, already, uh, as you say, you know, they'd already started building CFO connect they were invested in the idea. Um, but let's say that you were a marketer, um, who was sitting there thinking, okay, this is something I want to do. I need to now go build the business case for it with my leadership team. Um, what would you be saying to that person? What advice would you be giving that person to convince that leadership executive team who needs to sign off on the budget, whatever size it is, um, to invest in community? Mm. Yeah. Um, community can be mysterious, uh, for some people who, who aren't working in that realm. And so I think you really do need to show the business side of it. Um, community can look just really fun on the surface, uh, and warm and fuzzy, but there is just a lot, a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of great rewards too. So, I think one thing you could do is just point to other communities, like look at some benchmarks, find some inspiration of other communities that are within your space, doing something similar, seeing success. I mean, that's kind of like a cheap shot, but it, it helps. I think just make it tangible. Like, look, our competitors are doing this or this company we respect is doing this. Like we should try it too. Um, you definitely don't want to be the last one to the community party. So like that can be, you know, a motivator as well for the leadership team. Um, but also just, being really clear that it's not a quick win, you know, that look, these, this, these are the results that we expect to see if we invest in this for one to three years. Um, and you can find benchmarks. I think just laying out all the various KPIs that you could track that connect to community. So community's influence on all of these important KPIs to our business um, and setting what your goals and expectations are for influencing those but being very clear that like, it's not going to happen by next quarter, you know? So setting so, those expectations up front, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And, and do your research, talk to other community builders, ask them what it looked like for them in the first year, ask them for realistic uh, benchmarks and, and metrics to measure. Um, but I think it is helpful to point to some examples um, mm. because I think, you know, leadership, they, they don't have time to stay on top of what everyone else is, is doing. So to say like, Hey, this is a smart move. We should be investing in this too is, is key. 
I've been thinking a lot recently about um, the sponsorships, you know, within within B two B marketing. So, spot you know, a brand sponsoring an event for you know, doing a speaking opportunity or getting a logo placed on a wall or something like that. And you know, these trade shows and conferences, you know, they they are community builders at their heart. You know, they mm-hmm. are putting on an experience and they are uh, for a, a particular niche and bringing those people all together, either in person or virtually. And I, to be honest, have been somewhat disappointed, at least in, in, in my space, to see, you know, a lot of these um, uh, kind of trade show organizers and conferences not really use COVID to innovate their proposition. You know, things mm-hmm. are now starting to kind of return back to how they were before the pandemic. You know, we're charging 20, 30, 40 grand for a speaking opportunity at an event. And I don't know, for, for, for small marketing teams, that is a big expenditure. For me, I kind of think that one of the arguments I'd possibly be making to my leadership team is, look, we could carve off a, a chunk of that money that we were planning to invest in a third-party community because a lot of B2B brands are going out there and they're sponsoring events, they're having trade booths and what have you. And we could take a, we could experiment with it, you know, give us a year, like you say, and let's start with a, with a V1 version of this community. If it doesn't work, then, you know, we can, we can review whether or not something we want to continue. If it does work, we're using this opportunity to build an owned relationship with the, uh, with, with, with our market, with the community that, um, we're not going to have to keep paying for as at least not as much year in year out to a third party where we don't even own the direct relationship. So I don't know if what you think yeah. about that, but using the opportunity uh, as things start returning back to pre-pandemic uh, sponsorships and things like that to to build the case for community. I think that is a great angle to go for. Yeah, because those event sponsorships are just insane and so hard to measure the success of. Um, whereas community, you actually can measure and see some really tangible results. So I think that's a brilliant idea. I'm conscious of time. I know that we could keep talking about this all day. In fact, I think we've had about maybe six or seven questions that we hadn't, haven't had the chance to go over, but, but I know you've got to shoot soon. Um, I've got two more questions for you. Yeah, let's the, do it. The first one is, we've kind of touched on this already, which is that relatively few B2B brands invest in community, at least to the scale that um, you're very successfully doing over at Spendesk. You know, do you think, and I think I know the answer to this already, but do you think community is always going to be an outlier in terms of the overall marketing strategy for B2B brands, or is it going to become a much bigger part on terms of how brands connect with their customers? In terms of what I'm seeing on job boards, like the community function and roles are not going anywhere. It's just been an explosion over the past year of brands building and hiring community uh, leaders. Um, So I definitely think it's the future. I think you're going to start to see more hybrid community roles that sit under like product or customer success, um, but that have a real community mindset um, at the core. So I think it just makes such good business sense. And a lot of the companies who are seeing success from it are not necessarily going to go announce that at the board meetings or share it externally. It's kind of their secret sauce that they've found and they're going to keep plugging away at. Um, But the secret's getting out. And that's why you're seeing like more and more brands starting to invest in community or, or just kind of like double down, building out their teams even more. Um, 
yeah, I, it's not going anywhere. And of course you're not surprised that I answered that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm not at all, but I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, if, if anything over the last 18 months has taught us, people want to be connected with each other and there are the platforms and, and means for them to be connected with each other 24 seven. They don't have to be going to uh, fly into another country to attend a trade show to connect with their peers. They can do it mm-hmm. anywhere all the time. And why as a brand would you not want to be positioning yourself as the new town square for, for people to come together and do that? Um, look, Dominique, this has been Phenomenal. And thank you so much for breaking down um, uh, the strategy that you've adopted over at Spendesk with CFO Connect. Um, what, who, who do you think I should be interviewing next on, on B2B Better um, to talk about uh, community building um, or, or anything else you think is of interest? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's been a pleasure and I agree. We could have had twice as much time. So maybe part two uh, is coming. (laughs) So who should you interview? I immediately thought of a friend and former colleague uh, named V3. I'll I'll send you his LinkedIn. Um, He's a brilliant content marketer. He worked with me at Yelp and then went on to Asana, Google, Zendesk. Um, Really, really smart, creative thinker and and communicator. So I would highly recommend you chat with him. Definitely. I'll definitely be hitting you up for that introduction. Dominique, thank you so much for coming on to B2B Better. It's been an absolute blast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you've enjoyed it, you can check out my previous episodes via the link in the description. Or if you fancy getting a nice hot steaming mug of B2B marketing advice on how to build an audience for your brand, you can sign up to my newsletter, The B2B Byte, which goes out every Monday. I'll drop the link to that also in the description of this episode. See you next time.